right, I hope you felt that bass this morning. <laughs> you got to feel worship, right? Feel it in your heart, feel it in your gut. It's all good. Hey, we are in this series called Shaped for a Purpose, and I hope if you have come today looking for God, why do you have me in this world? What do you have for me? That's what we're talking about, that God has given us a place in this world. And he's made us each unique. When I think about uniqueness, um, you know, sometimes you hear people talk about, you know, nature and nurture. Like how much of it is innate to us that we're born with and how much of who we are comes out as we get older and as we grow and has been influenced by our surroundings. And it's always this in- interesting experiment that I'm living, and that's because I have four daughters. So we've got a picture here of my f- uh, four daughters. Yeah. No, they're not, uh, they're not uh, quadruplets, you know, even sometimes people think, you know, like when you see them separate, you're like, I can't tell my daughters apart. This is, I don't remember exactly when this was, it's been a few years. Um, but, you know, Shannon and I uh, didn't have kids the first uh, five, six years of our marriage, and then we made up for lost time, and we had four and five and a half years. And so, while they aren't, um, none of them are twins, we did have four in very close proximity to each other. And so, they experienced a very similar um, nurture environment, right? They're in the same home. We, you know, eat meals together. We experience the same, have all the same experiences. They're in a pretty close, you know, age range. And yet what I find so fascinating is how unique and different each one of them is. Now they've been growing a little bit here. Now they're not lined up, so don't, maybe we should do a little mix and match. Which picture goes with which daughter? So that's Kira, and we go straight across to Kira. And then we've got Miana, our oldest, and she goes with the flower. How come you don't wear flowers in your hair anymore, Miana? That's so sad. Um, we've got Annika, with the, the, my, our third oldest over here on the right, with the beautiful smile. And then we've got the littlest, Anaya. Our, She's embarrassed. I'm so sorry. And she's down there smiling. So let's put, we'll, we'll put a different picture up because that's enough embarrassing for my, for my daughters. You can, but each of them are so unique. They're all different in, in the way they express themselves and the things that they enjoy in life, even though we do have many similarities. Like, you know, we all play soccer. It's a soccer household. But they all have different reasons and what they enjoy about the game and, and what they bring to that game from loving the strategy of the game to just playing and enjoying the game, to the social aspects of the game, to the, to the competition. They're all wired uniquely. You walk into their bedrooms, and, and all their bedrooms have a little bit of their unique personality. I won't tell you which ones have cleaner rooms and which ones have messier rooms and which ones are more organized and which ones are more free flow, which one have more art. And it's, it's their personalities just come through in so many unique and special ways. And, and that's what's so cool is we talk about this idea of being shaped for a purpose. You know, we're discovering, we're trying to find out, and, and, and as if you have kids in your home, and we've got our oldest just turned 18. I'm a parent of an adult child. Isn't that crazy? Happy birthday, Miana, by the way. Uh, <laughs> it was yesterday, just turned 18. Uh, six years ago, we celebrated her birthday here when we came for a weekend to candidate um, at the church, and that was, so that was a memorable moment. So it's been, been six years since that moment. But, um, you know, as I, as I think about that uniqueness and thinking about what's the future and where does God have us, and we think about how God has made us, that's what we're talking about. We have this, the, the scripture that, that we've been looking at in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, for you, for we are God's masterpiece created anew in Christ Jesus to do the good things he planned for us long ago. And I think that should give us a lot of hope and a lot of courage that we are God's masterpiece. He's made us in a way that, that there's some things he wants us to accomplish and some things he wants us to do. I've been using this as an illustration, and I bring it up here every week because you'll forget these messages. That's just what happens. You know, I understand that. But you'll remember this because you'll see this somewhere, someplace, and you're going to remember what this series is about, that we were shaped for a purpose. 
that each of us has a unique shape, and if we try to shove our shape, and we don't know our shape, and we try to do something that we weren't created for, it's not going to fit. But when we learn our shape, when we discover our shape, we're halfway to discovering our purpose, to understanding, God, where might you have us? How would you want us to, to, to be used in this world? And when we fit, we know that place and go, God, this is what I was made for. And we come alive and something renews in our spirit. And so what is your shape and what is the purpose? We talked, began the series talking about the importance of this purpose, that, that there's a purpose in this world. You're part of a bigger story. And when you find that place, that script that God has written for you, ah, that's where you know, God, that's where I need to be. In the world, in the church, there's a place for you. And then we talk about what is that shape? What are the unique things about the shape? Five things to shape using this acronym that, um, that, that Pastor uh, Rick Warren developed and really pulls some uh, biblical principles together. Five parts that make up our shape. The S, remember, our spiritual gifts. Then we have the H, which is heart. And we talk about like our passions, the things that, that move us. A is our abilities. What are you good at? We talked about that last week. P, our personality. And E, our experiences. And all those five things, they make up our shape. And so last week we began looking, at, we looked closer at spiritual gifts and abilities. What, what are you born with and what does God give you when you become a follower of Christ? And that begins to tell us a more about what God would have us do. So as we look at these five areas, the, the, the spiritual gifts and the abilities that we talked about, I know they kind of jump around in the letter. I know that might be hard to track a little bit, but the S and the A, the spiritual gifts and abilities, they tell us what are we supposed to do, right? What you're good at, what gifts you've been given, they're a clue as to, to what you ought to be engaging in. And then today we're going to talk about the P, which is the personality. That really leans into a lot more to, to how we do it. What, and it's not just what we do, but our personality begins to flavor, begins to, to color how we approach the things that we're supposed to do. And the next week, when we talk about our, our, our passions, the things like the heart, and then we talk about the E, the experiences, that's going to help us know where we leverage those very pieces. And so all these pieces together begin to give us a clue to where God would have us serve, how he would have us lead and, and function. And so today, again, we're going to talk about personality. Don't you just love personalities? Do you like your personality? I hope you do, because it's who you are, right? It's what you take with you all the time. We have our, our personalities. And so as I talk about personality today, I think about the uniqueness, again, of how God created us and how he puts us together. And I think one place where we see that so uniquely in Scripture is when Jesus assembled his disciples and when he called people together to be his church. I don't know if you've seen the show The Chosen, the series on TV. I'm a big fan I love it. I know some people are like, oh, it has extra stuff or things that may not be exactly in the Bible. As a preacher, I know all about that. I don't try to, you know, when we tell a story, we try to imagine what was, in the, what was happening in around that. We don't change the, the, the foundations, but, but we understand the context. And the story of the chosen follows the story of, of Jesus and his disciples. And it helps us kind of imagine what might it have been like living as the disciples, being in that environment. But what stands out in that series for me is the uniquenesses of the disciples in their character, in their personality, what they bring to the table. It, just as in Scripture in the story as well, Peter just begins to, to, to dominate in the, in the story. He's a very outspoken guy. He's a strong man. He's a leader. He's impetuous. He kind of jumps into things. And he's always just always on the move, always trying to coordinate things. And that's just Peter. He's strong like that. But Jesus didn't call 12 Peters, did he? 
He also brought somebody like a Matthew along. Now, in, in, the, in the Chosen, they depict Matthew as maybe one who might be on, on, a, on the spectrum of autism. You kind of get a sense for that, that, that there's something in, his, in, his, um, in who God made him to be very exacting and to want to have things in a certain way. And I love the way that, it, you know, again, we don't know that from Scripture, but it's something we can imagine as, ah, here's the guy who, who wrote the Gospel of Matthew. Who else was following along with Jesus and taking notes and, and, and writing down these things? You needed somebody. Peter wasn't about to carry a notebook around. No, no. He was all about the sword, right? But Matthew, he had a notebook with him. He was taking notes. He was following closely. We had, there were, you know, women disciples that followed him and that were around. And, and you see people that were good, you know, disciples that were good with handling money, others that were organizing, some that were building relationships, that were just caring. And so we see the beauty of this this. this group coming together, the disciples. When we look at that, and I think about how God assembles these pieces together, I think about our, our verse in Ephesians 2, verse 10, that we are God's masterpiece. Just to think about masterpiece. What is a masterpiece? How many of you have ever been to an art gallery and you've looked at a masterpiece? We've all seen, right? You, you look at the paintings, you see those things. Last, last summer, we got to have a, a wonderful trip with our family, and we got to, to go to, we were in Paris, and we were in the Louvre, and we saw, like, way more paintings than we ever want to see in one day, at least personally speaking. Um, but you look at that, and you go, it's amazing what these artists create and what is considered these masterpieces, how they all begin with like a, a simple color palette and all of a sudden there's this, there's this amazing image and it's different, 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 different. And you see how that all comes together. I don't know, maybe you're not into to major masterpieces, but I, I'm sure you all know Bob Ross, right? <laughs> all right, that's more, that's more my speed, right? Like half hour painting, let's get it done. Um, you know, you can't help but watch Bob Ross and just, you turn on and you just get stuck, right? Like if you, if you scroll through channels, you ever end on that? It just draws you in. There's something about his, his calm demeanor. And, and you look at his, his paintings, and, and he begins with a blank canvas. And he imagines, and, and you know, he tries to reproduce a picture that he's done before, but he sees what needs to go on the canvas. And then he begins, and he's got his happy little palette. <laughs> Everything's happy, right? And a happy little tree lives here, and a happy little, little cabin, and then we've got the mountain. I mean, just like he brings these, these paintings to life. But as he's painting, what's so interesting is he takes that brush out of that palette and, and, and well, first he's got to clean it, right? Doesn't he? Remember that? Oh, we have to clean the brush in between. I like that part. Um, I'm not an artist, but he uses different kinds of brushes, right? And he'll put little dabs here and little colors there. And just like any artist, any masterpiece takes those pieces and says, you know what? We need some more, we need some brighter colors here. We need some darker colors back here. This needs to be in the foreground. This needs to be in the background. Instead of a, a brush, I think I'm going to you know, need a knife here, and we've got to cut in you know, a tree. Then we use a little thicker paint, a little thinner paint, and, we just, and, and it's all those pieces working together to create the masterpiece. And when God is creating a masterpiece, I think he looks at us, he looks at our uniquenesses, he looks at our personalities, and he says, ah, oh, we need a little more of that brightness there, we need a little more of that, that, that in the background. That's got to become center place here, and he, and he moves it, and he pushes us together around as this color palette to become who he's created us to be. And so if you imagine just this, this color palette, right? You have this palette, and you see these colors, and you go, which color are you? Which combination are you? How are you allowing God to use you to paint the masterpiece that he is wanting to create? And we each are different in our personalities. We're each different in these ways. Look at a couple of these things here. As we put, I'm going to put up a list here. It might be a little bit hard to see, but just think about real quick. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but are you more task-focused or people-focused? You tend to fall on one side or the other. Are you more thinking or feeling? Say, some, you know, it might be somebody who says, I think, 
you know, I think you should, or are you somebody who says, I don't know, I kind of feel like we need to, which one is you? Are you more extroverted or introverted? This idea that you, you're drawn to people and to, to groups and you feel energized when you're around others, or are you more like, I got to withdraw and gain my energy from, from being alone? Are you more expressive or reserved? Do you like your routine? Or do you like to have more variety? Similarly, planned, or are you spontaneous? Ah, throw out the, the agenda. Let's just go wherever it feels good, right? Are you more cooperative or competitive? Do you take life fast-paced, or are you more like, hey, just chill out? I mean, I know these are big extremes, but can you already see the difference in that? You're not usually both, right? You tend to be somewhere along that line, and that's the uniqueness of how God shapes us, how God creates us. It's our, it's our personality, now, there's been lots of different kind of uh, personality profiles that have been uh, out there, different assessments. And I remember back in 1995, yeah, back in the last millennium when I went to seminary, uh, I wanted to, uh, exploring different options for ministry, and, and one of the things I had heard about was becoming a church planter. Now, if you've never heard of a church planter, it's not the, you know, thing outside that you fill with dirt and put flowers in, you know, that's not what that is. Um, it's somebody who starts churches, and it was intriguing to me, and I thought about that, and I wanted to find out more. So I asked the professor, and he said, you know, you need to go over and see this guy. His name is uh, Oral Withrow, and he works over seeing this, this idea to plant churches. And if you've been at Meadow Park for a long time, you may or may not know that Oral Withrow was the first pastor of Meadow Park in the 1960s. And so that was just an interesting connection that I had back when I was just in my early 20s. And he talked to me about church planning and, and what it takes to start new churches. And then at the end, he said, have you ever taken a, a personality assessment? I said, no. He goes, well, I want you to take this Myers-Briggs and then come back and we'll talk some more. And I took the assessment and filled out all the answers, all the questions, you know, that were there. And I it came back with a report. And I remember reading this. And it was kind of scary. It was like, how, did this, how does it know so much about me? You know, have you ever done that? You read something, you go, yeah, man, that, that hits me to a T. Like, this is kind of scary. And here's, here's how, I, you know, it, it, it grabs all these pieces together. And I was like, I came back to him. I said, yeah, here's what it came out to be. He said, well, he said, oh, that's great. I mean, that's great. This is one of the two uh, personality types that actually tends to do pretty well with church planting. Now, of course, God can and does use anyone, but we've seen that there's some wiring there that, that seems to lead well with that. And that began me on a journey that over that, that 10 years, 10, 11 years later, Shannon and I stepped out and we, we started a church. And when we did that, we felt in so many ways that we were using our gifts, that we were in that place where God has called us to. And there's something beautiful about understanding who we are and then being able to fit that together with, with what God has called us to do. And so there's all kinds of different assessments out there. Again, there's the Myers-Briggs, uh, there's the Strengths Finder, there's DISC, there's uh, the Enneagram, which we talked about here a couple years ago. You can go back and listen to that as well. Um, have you done some of those before, any of those? How many of you have done at least one, one of those? Yeah. It's, and it's always helpful to learn about ourselves and to realize that if we were to compare our assessments, they would look different. It would be different as we get those back because there's something unique about each of us. Well, I want to talk to you today about a new assessment that is a, much, a very simple one that we use in the shape assessment here at the church. And it's the color personalities assessment, color personalities. So this is new. It's just four colors that we're going to be looking at. And if you take the shape assessment that we've uh, shared with you, many of you already have taken that, um, and it, it's going to let you, it's going to come back with you being one of four of these colors. Now, there's no way all people can be grouped into one of four colors, but it gives you an indication of what might be something that is stronger in your personality. The reality is there's not one personality that's better than another, right? Just like we even talked about with Jesus and the disciples. 
you know, Lord help us if we had 12 Peters, all right? They would just be like, Rah! you know, all the time, right? Um, that might be good at some points, but that's not good all the time. We, we need the, the variety. And the reality is, all of us, even as, as I talk about these four colors, we embody and, and represent a little bit of all of those in different mixes within us. But we probably tend to lean more towards one or two than the others. So I want to just uh, look at these today. And, and either if you've already taken the assessment, maybe this will you know, just uh, help you follow up on that. Or if you'll take it this, this week, maybe you can uh, identify already where you may land on that. So the first here is in these four colors that we're looking at. The first is the powerful red. Powerful red. If it was in the disc, it would be like the dominant. And the red is represented by the intensity of fire. There's something in the personality of the, of the powerful red that, that has this, this drive, right? As we look at some of these characteristics here, we've got, you know, they're very driven, purposeful. There's an intentionality, like, you know, like cut the small talk, let's get to work, right? If you're, if you're in, that, in that red category. There's this opportunity to be, to be visionary, to see where, why am I leveraging what I'm doing? Where are we going? A D, you know, a high D in this category, a powerful red, has a hard time going, just doing things. They want to know where are we going, what are we doing, and often are, are driving that themselves. They like to be decision makers, and they tend to be competitive, right? Their bumper sticker might say, you know, lead, follow, or get out of the way, right? That's, that's, that's a motto that you may have, saying that it's, it's, it's action-oriented. There's decisions that, are make, that, that, that need to be made. They work well under pressure, and they tend to be entrepreneurial in, in, in that way, often wanting to begin to see a need, an opportunity, and then to, to go after it. With all personalities, there's also some, some shadow sides, right? There's weaknesses, and, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but just a few things here for the powerful red is that, that oftentimes they can be, the, the drivenness can become workaholism, right? And you just be nonstop. There's no end to it. They can be overly intense, can be very insensitive. You know, I don't care how you feel, just get to work, <laughs> right? They can be controlling, and so that's the shadow side of the, of the powerful red. And so we need to mitigate that and really lean into the strengths and ask God to redeem those weaknesses and bring others alongside that help soften those edges. When we look at the Bible, we see different characters that have this personality. We already talked about Peter in some ways being, being like this. But Paul, when we think about the New Testament writer, you know, so much of the New Testament, it didn't matter if he was shipwrecked, if, you know, people were throwing stones at him, if they were yelling at him. I mean, he just had this, this powerful drive to just be on mission, to be on task, to not be deterred. And man, aren't we thankful for someone like that, that, that led the way? We think about leaders in, in the Bible like, like Deborah, one of the, the judges in the Old Testament who led the people. We think about John the Baptist who didn't care what people thought. He just was, he was, had a purpose to prepare the way for the Lord. So we see God using those personalities. Where might that personality play out well within the church? Now, again, I just want to say up front, any personality can serve anywhere in the church. But there are certain places that, depending on spiritual gifts and abilities, that may lean better for this type of personality. Now, with the powerful red the nice thing about this personality is every area of church needs leadership. It needs people that are, that are focused, that are ready to move things forward, that can have a plan, that can develop teams. So, so really that plays out in a lot of areas, whether it's being a team leader. We see pastors with this, with this characteristic. Um, you know, anything that's a cause. So if all of a, you see something locally in the church or in the community or on mission where you're saying, we need to do something about this. And you begin to go after it. That's, that's a great personality that, that, that does that. Starting new initiatives. 
We need some of these folks on a church board willing to make some strong decisions that may not please everybody. It says, you know, but this is the right thing to do, and we believe this is where we need to go and have that ability to, to push through, to lead campaigns. So you see that, that strength, and we need that color. We need the reds. We need that flame that burns hot, that, that, that drives us forward in, in the church. Are you a, a red, a powerful red? What about playful yellow? Playful yellow. I didn't give it these descriptors, but that's what, <laughs> what, it, what came through. Yellows are, and the yellow represents just the, the warmth of the sun. Yellow is a personality that has just a drawing power, a, magne- a magnetism to it. There's a, there's a, it's all people-oriented. I want to be with people, and it's fun, and it's being sociable. And we see some of the characteristics here of playful yellow. What do we got? Charismatic, right? There's, there's the ability to, to draw people in. There's an enthusiasm that we see. The sociability that, that comes with that it tends to be optimistic and, and winsome, always looking for a party to happen, right? <laughs> ready, to, ready to be with people, ready to celebrate. Oftentimes there's humor. They can be good storytellers. They know how to, to be with people. Often very good in small talk to, to connect and just be like, hey, you know, never met a stranger. Think about my father-in-law. <laughs> he just drawn to people. He wants to talk to somebody. He wants to make a connection. He, he, he wants to establish that, right? You see that in people with, with the strong yellow personality. There's some weaknesses in that too. Details? What details? <laughs> As I heard one person say, never give an original copy of anything <laughs> to a yellow because you, you may never see it again. They can be disorganized. They can talk too much kind of be easily distracted. Oh, a squirrel. You know, like kind of, just, uh, there's, there's so much happening. There's so much life to be lived. There's so many things to take on. And these can be weaknesses. But again, the strength of this personality is this ability to, to bring people together, to build bridges, to be really focused on, uh, on the, the situation and the people around. So in the church, some great roles here too. Again, team leaders. The, the, uh, the reds and the yellows are often great at uh, leading on point because they have a way to bring people together and build a team. They can be the teachers to present in a winsome way that understand people and, and what they, you know, where they're at and what, they, what, what might benefit them. I think they make great life group leaders because, there's a, again, there's the relatability. I want to draw and I want to bring people together. I want to be with people and create community. Hosts and greeters, right, kind of like, you know, or like salespeople in, in, in the world often are yellow because they, they can connect with people and, and, and want to create an environment of, of hospitality and welcome. I think in our next-gen ministry, too, with youth, uh, with our student ministry and our, and our kids, yellows are awesome in these environments because they, they, they make connections with kids and find a way to, to, you know, what moves them, and they're fun, they can be playful, they can be great storytellers. Maybe they're great with leading games and, and fun environments and events. We see that in the church, too, when it comes to events. We do a lot of things that, that build community when we talk about belonging. And so if you're yellow, you think in terms of what brings people together. What, what would make a fun event? What, would, what goes into that? Or maybe even hosting or emceeing an event like that. But you can use that same yellow winsomeness when we look at community outreach or maybe in places like social media, anything that connects people. If you're a yellow, get into a place like that. We need the yellows. Now, if the world was all, again, reds and yellows, we'd have a lot of people leading and doing and organizing and pushing forward, but maybe not a whole lot would get done. And so we need the greens, and we need the blues. And again, it's not just that one does everything on the other, but they complement each other. So the greens are the peaceful greens. The peaceful greens. Green represented as a steady, mighty oak. 
Think about that as the, the greens. Pace is, is slower here versus outward focus now. It's, it's, it's a little slower in, in the greens and with the blues. More laid back. They're just relaxed. As we look at some of the characteristics here, they're patient. Right? While maybe you, you have the, the push and the drive of the, the yellows and the reds, you got the greens. You're saying, hey, let's just slow down a little bit. They're steady. They're stable. They're not so worried always about competition, but more about cooperation. They're very good at bringing collaboration together and saying, how can we work together? Again, where others might be driven to say, you know, it's, it's black or white, uh, uh, the green might say, you know, let's not be so judgmental right away. Let's just listen in. Let's hear the other side. Let's, let's learn. There's a, there's a caringness to that uh, personality. And so they have lots of different strengths. Again, they're very adaptable. They're the calm in the room. They bring that, that presence. They can step back and, and assess. Sometimes they're the ones that, you, that, that may not say something right away, but you, you ask for their opinion. And when they speak, people listen. There's something about that. But there's also some weaknesses, some things that, that, that can, can be a hindrance. They might be too quiet, right? And kind of say, you have a lot to offer, but, but maybe we don't ever, ever get to hear that. They can be procrastinators and just put things off because they're too chill. <laughs> maybe be stubborn and not give in. And maybe one of the other challenges is avoiding conflict, right? If you're a peacemaker, if you want somebody to, to bring people together, the last thing you want to do is, is, is create conflict. The last thing you want to do is maybe approach somebody and deal with a tough situation. So we have to deal with the weaknesses as well. But again, the strengths of this, this peaceful green, this oak, that, that stability that we need in our lives. The greens bring that. In the Bible, we see that. Um, I, think about, I think about Queen Esther, in a very tense situation that we read about in the Old Testament. She wasn't this, the, you know, this leader that we read about who was just taking hills and taking charge, but in her own quiet, steady way, approached the king and intervened for her people and was just the stability. She was just this rock. Maybe we think about Mary, we think about the mother of Jesus, who just seems to be alongside the story where Jesus is, is in public and there's things going you know, that are, that are incredibly challenging and his life is being threatened and she just seems to be the steady place all the way through from birth to Jesus' uh, breaths, last breaths on the cross to the resurrection. But in the church, we need greens serving in the church, being and doing the things that God has called you to do. I think some of the great places for greens, again, are, are in kids' ministry, but where yellows may be more the upfront and the fun and the putting all these things together, the greens are the ones that will sit with children, with students, maybe be more one-on-one, -on -one, maybe listening closer, uh, uh, good mentoring relationships. Anything that really involves care, caregivers, right? Where our shut-in visitation, we have home buddies that, that visit those that can't get out. That might be a great place for somebody who just says, I want to connect with somebody. I have this calm about me, you know, whether it's hospital visitation. Greens make great group leaders, life group leaders, because there's, there's a, it's a smaller setting, and in that presence can say, how do we grow closer? How can we go a little bit deeper? Lots of great opportunities there. Many times, again, greens are behind the scenes. Maybe it's the creative work that they do that just brings beauty to the things around us. So we need those, the, the strength of that mighty oak. Now let's look at the blues, the proper blues. Blue represented by running water. So one thing that running water does is wherever water runs, it fills in the gaps. And that's what blues are so good at doing. While the, while the yellows and the, and the reds are out there leading and the green is connecting with people and trying to bring everyone together, the blue is saying, look, you're missing this, you're not doing this, you're, you're, you dropped the ball here, we've got to get this together. They're ready to, to fill in the gaps, 
to make sure that things are done, to make sure that things are done well. So here's we look at some of the, the, the qualities here. They're very organized. They know how things need to be. They're planners. They look for order. They're also cautious. They don't like taking lots of risks because risk means uncertainty, and they want to be certain. They want to be, be clear that things are important. They're very precise. They like, they like to have things accurate, and they can be very persistent. We're going to keep going. This is what we need to do. This is the right thing. I think one of the greatest qualities for blues is their inquisitiveness. Blues want to learn. They want to know. They want to know why. Don't just tell me to do something. Why? And if I don't know why, I'm going to find out why. And I want to go deeper, and I want to understand what's behind this. They tend to be great self-starters as well, too. You don't have to motivate them. They don't need rah, rah, re. Like, you don't need to give me the hype. I know what we need to do. I'm going to do it. You can count on me. There's something wonderful about that quality. Now, one of the weaknesses of, of the, some of the weaknesses of the blues are that they can lack spontaneity, right? If it's not planned, they don't know how to respond or maybe don't feel comfortable. They struggle under pressure because, we, again, it's a slower pace with the green and the blue. And so how do I, you know, I want to have the plan and I want to follow that through. They can be hard to please because the standards are so high and the expectations can be so great about what it takes and they need structure all the time. And what is it when there isn't structure? But again, these strengths to fill in the gaps, to see what's needed, working together all to make it happen. In the Bible, I just think uh, right off the bat, I think of like Matthew and Luke. We talked about Matthew, again, being meticulous in, in his notes and, and writing, you know, the Gospel of Matthew. You know how the Gospel of Matthew starts? A genealogy. <laughs> Nothing says blue <laughs> more than a genealogy, right? Here is the son and the father of so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so because it's important. It's connecting, and we need that. We need to know that history, right? There's details there. Luke, when he wrote not only the Gospel of Luke but also the book of Acts, it says in the beginning, I've saw, he was writing to Theophilus. He was writing to somebody saying, I want to research, and I want to find the accuracy. I want you to know these truths. And so I've set out. He was, he was a physician, and he knew the importance of getting things right. Or I think about Thomas, the disciple, doubting Thomas, I don't care what you guys all told me that Jesus is alive. I want to see it. I want to know. Show it to me. Prove it to me. Jesus, yes, right? And then his faith blossomed in that way. So when we look in the church and we see these different um, personalities, what, what would be a good place for blues? Well, blues can be in a great place that, when you think about especially anything that is detail-oriented. Anything that has to do with our finances, right? Blues will look at the reports. They'll want, they, they can serve, you know, whether it's treasures or, or counters or just making sure the details are right. Somebody who, you know, blues are the ones who you want on a bylaws committee that will say, let's look at the procedures. Let's look at the policies. What are we doing? We've got to get this right. It's got to be exact. They make great Bible study teachers. If you're ever in a class that, that's led by a blue, you're going to get incredible information. You're going to get sound research. It's going to be well-developed message research, those kinds of things. But also then behind the scenes, they might be part of the AV crew because it's important to do things right, to do things well, to, to not make the mistakes, to get everything done well. That's, a, that's the scope of, of where blues love to be as well. Organizing, uh, anything in the church, you know, helping in the office, all the stuff where, where everyone else is planning the big things and moving forward, these are the details that need to be taken care of. Or maybe even on buildings and grounds, as you look at the outside, saying, how does it look? I don't, you know, I don't need the accolades. I don't need to be in front of people. But I want to make sure things look great and look presentable. And you can count on me during the week to be here to do those things. That's where the blues shine in these different areas. Which color are you? 
And again, I, it's, it, when you teach these things or hear these things, it's, it's easy to kind of take things to the extreme. The reality is, again, we each have parts of all four, and all four can serve in any given area. I mean, if we think about it, like, again, if we think about it in, a, in, a, in a, the next-gen area, like in children and youth areas, we need all four. We need reds that are able to organize and plan and lead and set the vision and direction and go after it. We need the yellows to interact, to create the fun, to create the environment, to connect. We need the greens that, that remind us to, to connect with one another on a more personal level, to go deeper, to, to really build that foundation. We need the blues to fill in the gaps and say, okay, how are we going to make all this happen? Let, let me show up and be behind the scenes and make sure it all comes together. So it's not just that one personality fits one ministry, but it's, again, it's the how. How does it fit, and what's the color, what's the flavor, what's the seasoning that you bring to this? So if you don't know your color, or you have, maybe you can guess from this, but in our shape assessment, again, that we've created that, that helps cover all five areas of the shape, I encourage you to take that. We've got, again, we've got this QR code up here. You've got it when you leave. If you haven't taken it yet, many of you have. Do that this week and talk about it in your life groups. That's been so interesting for us as well to start talking about that in our life group and seeing how we're, we're different. So um, go there or go to metapark.org forward slash shape and it's there. It takes about 20, 25 minutes and it'll print something out for you and it'll connect you to possible ministry areas that may fit your unique shape. I think it's a great tool that, that we're working with. So take advantage of that. And then next week, we'll have the ministry expo here as well, so you can then talk to some team leaders, find out about some other ministries, and just see, God, where would you have me fit? Why have you made me and wired me the way that you have? One of those uh, that serve so well here on Team MPC that just brings a lot of joy and life and into whatever ministry he's serving in is, uh, is Kurt Hansen, and I want you to hear from, from Kurt on this video. Once you really open yourself up to the Holy Spirit and you pray that the Holy Spirit works within you, He changes our personalities. He allows you to be used once you open yourself up to that. I am Kurt Hansen, and I've been attending Meadow Park for a little over 20 years. And we, my wife and I, Beth, we were looking for a church um, that was really just a body of believers and. Uh, uh, we attended the newcomers class here at Meadow Park and we're very, very attracted to the fact that it's just a group of believers that chooses to worship together and honor God and, and following the Bible and that's what attracted us to Meadow Park. And at our previous church, I had always worked with the youth. That's where I, my love for working with the youth was born. It's just a joy, and uh, I think my personality kind of plays into that. Um, I love playing games. I love being, you know, uh, joking. That's, you know, my personality, joking around with the youth, and, and um, I think that's served me well. Um, and it just makes coming to church more enjoyable when I can walk in the door when I'm coming to uh, service and see all the friendly, familiar faces from the youth, and they come up to greet me. It's just, uh, it's, it makes it more of a family. What's interesting is like, by not even saying anything, it's just how I interact and how I, there's jokes at the office that were not appropriate. So I didn't, I certainly didn't laugh and I didn't participate. And uh, it, it quickly got to the point where we, I didn't really talk about my faith a, a lot at work, but they would say, if they tell an off color joke, or something that was not appropriate, they would apologize to me. They'd say, oh, Kurt, I'm sorry. 
and it just struck me, oh my goodness, I'm, I must be becoming a witness. You can be a witness without even thinking you're being a witness. Yes. So people find out that you have faith, uh, they, it's amazing how they bring problems and issues and share issues with me that I don't think they would otherwise. And then I offer, you know, prayers for them and, and I think that that's, you know, pretty powerful. I've seen God working in my life that um, it's, uh, it's just that when trials come and, and different challenging situations, like it, whether it's at work um, or internal in the family where uh, Christ is part of those situations and uh, um, it becomes so evident that it's important to have Christ at the center of those um, big situations so to, to add peace and um, comfort in those situations and so uh, that's that's what I try and uh, drive home the point with uh, with the youth and people that I interact with um, uh, just that Christ makes the difference and gives you peace and, and comfort and security that the world is looking for and there's nowhere else that you can find it. My experience is that um, my faith really keeps me grounded and gives me that peace and security that, I, that I've been looking for. If any one of you has um, considered or God has pulled at your, tugged at your heart uh, where you could fit in, and I would just strongly suggest that you reach out to Tim or one of the coaches, talk to us about what it's like to work with the youth because it's exciting to be part of that. It is so rewarding. And as I said previously, God will give you what you need to work with the youth. And they need all ages of influence, even older people like me, to give them guidance and uh, have fun with them. Just have fun with them. I'm so thankful for people like Kurt and many others in the church that are just serving and out of their gifts and passion and personality. We see that personality coming through, and I, didn't, I don't know your shape assessment, Kurt, but I, 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 think, uh, I think you're a yellow, just, my, just, my, just a hunch. Uh, this beautiful warm that comes out and that sunshine that, that, that radiates out, and it's just wonderful to see that used for the glory of God in the church and in the community. What is your shape? How has God created you? I want to end with this verse here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. It says, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of us is a part of it. This is what I picture when I see all of you out here today, those joining online, when we think about the church together being God's masterpiece, being God's body, all of us together. It's when we interact, when we use those gifts, when we're put where God has placed us and we live that out, we come alive, that the mission of the church, the purpose of the church comes together. And that's when the beauty of God's masterpiece is represented to the world around us. We don't just want to present a blank canvas. It's not that exciting to just paint the entire canvas red and be like, here you go, world, this is God. 
No, it's every color. It's God working together. And when you're part of that palette, when you allow God to use you and to add you to that picture, we as a church can present to the world a beautiful image, a masterpiece of what it looks like to come together in a world that's incredibly divided, where everything's one side or the other, to say, no, God brings us together, rich and poor, young and old, black and white, doesn't matter. God brings us together as a church. It's his body, and we are his masterpiece, made in the image of God in each of our unique ways to be a part of the purpose that he has called us to. I hope and I pray that you find and experience the joy of being comfortable with how God made you, the personality that he's given you, the gifts that he's given you, and then to find that place to say, God, I want to invest that in your kingdom. And watch what happens as you come alive and discover a joy and a peace that far exceeds making money, gaining a corner office, being recognized by some award, it's a satisfaction of being involved in the kingdom of God and the greatest story that's ever been written to bring Christ's hope to this world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much as I look out and I see just so many different people and personalities and the richness and the beauty and God, just the way that, that your creativity works through us. We truly are your masterpiece. And God, I give you thanks for the many ways in which you have used us and that you, God, that you invite us into this, this mission. We're so grateful for that. And Father, we aren't just individuals that are called to do our own thing, but God, we are called to be together, to be one people, to be one voice, lifting our voices together, showing the world, God, what you look like in this beautiful masterpiece that you've created. Father, help us as we discover our place as we continue to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.